fight. Fight. We're going to focus on this one word today and this one phrase, fight. Strength to persevere comes from God. Now this series is going to last for a good part of the summer as we're going to be starting this today and starting it through Memorial Day weekend next weekend, which I thought was good as we remember those who have served. But it's also going to last through the 4th of July. And it will end right around the 4th of July as well. But today we're talking about this. And this week is a great reminder to me to be starting this sermon for two things. One, Satan knows exactly when to strike and how to strike. But two, God's timing is perfect as it gives you exactly what you need and when you need it as long as you're looking for it. The word is fight. And this phrase is strength to persevere comes from God. And the idea for this message for the sermon was planned out six months ago as I started here and I came up with a sermon calendar for the whole year. But you see, God knew exactly what I was going to need this week. And God knew what we were going to need in this time of our lives. See, two weeks ago from yesterday, the day that my family arrived at Walt Disney World and we just got off the airplane, I just got into our hotel room, I got a text message from my brother asking, did you hear about your brother Michael, that he was diagnosed with colon rectal cancer? Many of you already know this as I updated the church prayer um, email from Florida so that you could be praying for this. I thank you for your prayers. But this news hit me pretty hard that day, and my family, thank you for their um, understanding. They went out in the hallway, walked around the Disney hotel area a little bit as it gave me some time to process things, to make some phone calls to family, and piece things together exactly what was going on. But today I want to catch you up a little bit on where the family is in this process and also update you for your prayers. This week was a specifically hard week for my family and especially for my brother Michael and his wife Andrea as they had more testing this week. You see, they initially diagnosed this as colon rectal cancer, about a one and a half centimeter mass that was found there. But they also found a separate mass on his liver that they would have to biopsy this week. Well, they did the biopsy this week, and this week was specifically hard for Michael and Andrea, but not just for that. Let me add something else to that. My brother's wife, Andrea, was also diagnosed herself with cancer just about two weeks before they were married, about seven years ago. So to this day, their entire marriage, they've been struggling and working through this with her still getting treatments for cancer today. Here's why this was especially hard. On the day of Michael's biopsy, she was not able to be there with him by his side because she was having her own treatments done that day. Talk about tough. My brother and his wife both have cancer now. What are the odds? How does this happen? I mean, I don't know how this happens. The doctors don't know how this happens. You don't know how this happens. Ultimately, God is the only one that truly knows how and why this happens to us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later as we move through this message today. But now for the updated info on this biopsy that they did. The spot on the liver indeed is cancerous as well. So it has spread, and initially they said that it was stage 2 cancer, and if it was found to be on the liver as well, it would be considered stage 4 as it had spread. Now, in their exact words, though, on the update from my brother and his wife, the surgeon is very confident that she can remove it as it is very small. 
this extra spot on liver is only about one centimeter. The plan is to start chemo hopefully this week, perhaps have the liver lesion removed before chemo is over, finish chemo, possibly get chemo radiation, and then eight, 12, eight to 12 weeks later have the surgeon remove the rectal tumor. Things seem to change rapidly, so I don't know if this is what will actually happen, but this is the plan for now. We all appreciate your prayers. So back to my beginning statements. Satan knows exactly how to hit you, exactly where to hit you, exactly when to hit you. But God also knows what you need and when to give it to you. So on this really hard week, for me hearing these, this news of my brother and his wife, and I think I was just so busy on our vacation that once I had time to initially process it, I didn't think about it too much. But then as I finally had time this week in my office to really think through it, and I saw the message that we're starting, heroes of faith. And I saw today specifically, fight. It just hit me. And it hit me hard. And a sermon that initially was going to be focused on how we need to fight and not give up when things hit us had a whole new meaning to me. We must fight when struggles come. Whether this be temptations, earthly or mortal sinful human struggles such as work, finances, relationship, health issues, or spiritual challenges, we must fight. Satan tried to use this news to bring me down, but God knew, exa God knew exactly what I would need this week. God knew that I would need this reminder that we need to fight and not give up. Not to think about the overwhelming burden that might be upon us, but remember the God that we have. Remember that we need to fight, and that this strength to fight, this strength to persevere comes from God. So that's what today's message comes from, or the background to that, is we need to fight. Strength to persevere comes from God. And that's just what I did. I gained strength from God's word. As I realized I needed to persevere, my brother needed to persevere, we need to persevere, I started looking into God's word for strength. My brother and his wife need the same reminder today to fight. And I hope they check this message out later as we broadcast it to YouTube and it's up there. But you guys also need this reminder. Because we're always fighting against something. If you're not aware of that, then you're deceiving yourself. Because we're always fighting against something. And Satan is always trying to take you down. He wants nothing more than to pull you away from God. Because when you're connected with God, you have life and you have strength to persevere. Fight for the things that matter. You see, too often we fight for the things that don't really matter. We give all our time and energy to things that don't matter. I do it myself. I'll spend all this time researching the best fishing spots around Bloomer. And I did that this week. I did some fishing around Bloomer. That's why it comes to me, because I did. I looked at maps of the lakes and of the streams, and I spent a lot of time into that. We spend a lot of time doing things that don't truly matter. But... Do we spend time doing things that do matter to our physical life, to our spiritual life? Because I think too often those are the things that we give up in. We give up when it comes to focusing on things that truly matter. As I struggle with this news, I found myself searching scripture, and not necessarily for the answers of why. And I know we want to ask ourselves a lot that question. We want to say, why, God? Why, why would this happen to this couple that loves you? But we'll never truly understand the answer why. 
But what I did is I searched God's word for strength and encouragement. And not just for myself, I searched it for encouragement on how I can encourage my brother to fight. Did you know that the word fight is in the Bible 124 times? Now, as you think of that, the word fight is in the Bible 124 times. Maybe that doesn't seem like a lot. Maybe it does. But let me tell you this. That's only the word fight. That's no other word or phrase that might have the same meaning. Because if I was trying to figure that out, I'd be still searching today. How many different words can have the same meaning as fight? But this sermon started with an idea from a book that I once read titled Fight by Pastor Greg, Craig Grishel. And he took his book a totally different direction. It was mainly a book for men's ministries. But it, he starts with this idea that I wanted to share with you. And if I've shared it with you before, then I'm sorry, but this is the direction God led me today, and I think that we all need to remember it. God created us to have the heart of a warrior. That's the idea that he starts with this book, and it kind of goes throughout the whole book as he gives different examples from different heroes of our faith throughout the Bible. God created us to have the heart of a warrior. Now, here's where he gets this from. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 Reread, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of scripture references today. So if you need me to give you a copy of my notes later, I can. I didn't put them all on the board, and I'll read them all to you, to you today as well. But it'll go pretty fast. But let me tell you this. Let me read that again. So God created man. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Now, there's a lot of different directions that we could take this message, especially with many of the recent debates over, over genders. And here we see male and female, created in the image of God. God created him. There's several different directions we could go there, but we're going to keep our topic focused on this, fight. And specifically, strength to persevere comes from God. And now God created us to have the heart of a warrior. Exodus 15.3 tells us the Lord God is a man of war. The Lord is his name. This is found in what is labeled as the Song of Moses and comes shortly after God splits the Red Sea, saves his people from the Pharaoh's army. And understandably, God's people are now praising him for his mighty victory in their salvation. Again, this is Exodus 15. Let me read to you just a short excerpt from that. Remembering, this is just after God's people are saved. Through a miraculous event of the Red Sea splitting. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying... I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll read it for you. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously... The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. 
At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deep congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake. I will divide this spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. But you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. It goes on and on. But you see, what I see is this. We too could be stronger and more joyful in our struggles. And when we sing to God like this, when we focus on Him, we can be stronger. And we can then sing to Him of His victory. Exodus 14, 14, the chapter before, tells us, The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Exodus 14, 25, and again, this is to God's people, to Moses. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Our God, the one true God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God is a warrior, and he fights for his people. He fights for his people in Exodus. He fought sin on the cross, and I believe he still fights for us today. In fact, we even have the Spirit within us to help us to fight. That is, if you are a born-again Christian, if you truly believe and follow after Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have this fighter, this warrior, on your side. So let's connect a few things, a few ideas. The Lord is a man of war, a warrior. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord fights against those who chase after you. Again, this is two specific people, but we can learn from it as well. Here's what I see as we piece it together. We're also told we are created in the image of God. Are you following along? We are created to fight. We are created to have the heart of a warrior. And Jesus is also a warrior. I did not use too much from this book, but let me read to you an example of Jesus being a warrior from Fight by Pastor Craig Rochelle. It says this, and remember this is one, two pages of context. You can get a lot of context if you read the book. But it says this, And then there's the greatest warrior who ever lived, Jesus. Many of us imagine Christ based on the pictures we've seen painted of him, meek and mild, smiling, children gathered at his feet, adoring him, sheep flitting about on the hillsides around him, healing the sick, comforting the poor, just a gentle force of good wherever he floats. Now I'm exaggerating, but only slightly. If you look at the life of Christ, he was not a divine doormat either. Imagine Jesus with righteous anger violently toppling the tables of the corrupt money changers in his father's temple. Or consider this picture of Christ's return as envisioned by John. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter on his robe and on his thigh. He has the name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. Revelation 19, 11 to 16. This is the good shepherd, meek and mild. If you're like most Christians, you're probably thinking, that's not how I picture Jesus. It's some wild warrior leading with a war cry. Christians are, aren't supposed to fight back. Whatever happened to turning the other cheek? Turning the other cheek comes from Matthew 5, 38 to 39, where Jesus teaches, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Certainly, Jesus is promised as the prince of peace. Like I said, that's just a couple pages there, but I think it's important to see how Jesus is also a warrior. And in order to be a prince of peace, sometimes there are certain things that you must wage war after. Now, especially today in our own lives, we're talking about what are we going to fight in our own lives. We're not really talking about a physical fight where somebody punches you and you need to turn the other cheek to, to them. What we're talking about is not laying down and giving up on whatever struggles that you're fighting personally. Maybe that's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it's in your spiritual life and Satan trying to pull you away from God in your daily routines, your quiet time, your prayer life. Maybe it's with your health. Whatever it is, you need to fight and not just give up. You need to remember that you have the heart of a warrior. And we are created to have this heart because we're created in the image of God. We must stand up, stand up and fight. Fight for what is right, fight for what matters, and fight to do God's work. Fight to live a life worthy of the calling. Fight, but not in your own strength, but in God's strength. Fight with the strength of God and what he gives you. There's an old saying that the best defense is a good offense. Now, I don't know who said it, but I think there's two things we need to remember as we think of what is that best offense. Because the best defense is a good offense. And I think it comes down to these two things. Meditate on God's word and pray continually. Two things to remember. A good offense is to meditate on God's word and to pray continually. That's going to help you as these struggles come your way. And this is also from Psalm 1-2 and Thessalonians 5-17. It's something we need to do day and night, 24-7, 365 days a year. We continually do it. We ceaselessly do it. We always think about what word of God comes to mind. Not only is there power in the word to keep us from our sins, Psalm 119-11 reminds us that, that the word of God will protect us from those sins. But there's also power in him to help us through every fight that we find ourselves engaged in. We cannot fight alone. Strength to persevere comes from God. From God. If we're fighting alone, we are weak because a fight comes from him. Nahum 1.7 reminds us that the Lord is good. A strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. Now, doing a quick search on that, came up with some other thoughts, some other scripture to focus on. A quick search of this idea that God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 46 was a great one I found. Let me to read this to you. It says at the beginning, God is our refuge and strength. I hope this is not new news to you, but if it is new news, take it to heart. 
God is our strength and refuge, a very present help in trouble. Now, if we read through verse 3, we also find this. Therefore, because God is your strength and refuge, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its, sea, its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling of pride, God is our refuge. God is our strength. We will not fear. Psalm 91, 2. I will say it to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. In whom I trust. We must trust in God. Trust in God in your times of fighting. Where do you place your trust? Will your household trust upon God? Will you put your hope and trust in Him? Or will you trust in yourself alone? For yourself, by yourself. Because you were never created to trust in yourself. You were created to have a relationship with God. I want to urge you today to stop. Stop trying to do it all on your own. I want to urge my brother and my family to not try and get through this on their own, but to find strength to persevere through God. I want to encourage all of you, and myself included, to not try and find it on our own, but to fight with God. Fight with the power of the Almighty God fighting by your side. Do not fear. Fight in a way which brings glory to God. Fight in a way that whether God chooses for you to live or die, you will know that you have fought the fight in a way that brought all glory to Him. Have faith that His will will be done through you. Philippians 1.21 For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Romans 14.8 brings so much more power to that too, where it expands upon that and says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We are God's. And we live for Him. Will you live and die for Christ, for His will, for His work? Do not fear. In Joshua 1, 9, we read this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The book of Joshua begins with the death of Moses, the man used by God to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity and to the promised land, and he has now died. The Israelites have not yet possessed the land that the Lord had given them, but now Moses is dead and a new leader must emerge. Here's the context to that verse that you need to understand to, to properly apply it to your life and others. This new leader that God is appointing is Joshua. In the first chapter of the book of Joshua is the Lord's charge to the Israel's new leader, Joshua. Three times in the first nine verses, Joshua is commanded to be strong and courageous. This charge is not surprising if you consider the task ahead of him. Leading these people, I say these people because you have to realize that these people have just wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of disobedience. Taking leadership of this group would be a very scary proposal, and it would be a huge challenge for Joshua. As the assistant to Moses, certainly jo Joshua would have already been seeing what Moses had gone through. He would have seen the disobedience of God's people, and he would see the challenge that he was up against. And now he must take up this challenge upon himself, but God gives him this charge. This charge in Joshua 1.9 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not dismayed. be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The call for Joshua to be strong and courageous is grounded in the fact that the Lord will be with Joshua wherever he goes. Because he's doing God's work. He's on mission to do what God's will is. And in the same way that the Lord was with Moses, so too he will be with Joshua. This verse is one of the most shared verses of, of the Bible. And we see it all over the place. We hear it constantly. In fact, I've got a necklace that I bought on a mission trip to Moody Bible Institute when we, I was on a teen mission trip sharing the gospel with the city. And that necklace has that scripture on it. I'm not wearing it today. I meant to, but I took it off. But it's a great reminder. It's, it's one of the most popular Bible verses to share with people because it's a very encouraging Bible verse. However, I will agree with many scholars that we must be careful not to overly use it or misuse it. You see, in one way, this is a specific message for one specific person, Joshua, as he is taking on the mission to lead God's people into the promised land. And that's not what we're doing right now, not specifically in that way. However, it's because of Jesus' death upon the cross that believers and followers, you and I, can also trust in God. We also can use this same verse as we remember what Jesus did for us. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Because of Jesus' death upon that cross, if you believe in him, you know that the Spirit, the Helper, is within you to help you through everything. God is with you, fighting by your side. But, and again a big but, we must still not misuse this or overuse it. As many people use this to apply to things happening to them a personal gain. Maybe it's running a marathon or a race and they say, Well, God is with me. I can trust in him for his strength. I can get through this 5K run. Or maybe it's a new job that we have and we're praying, I don't have to fear this new job that I'm working at, at um, AJ Manufacturing because God is with me and I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be rich. That's not what it's about. It's not about being healthy either. God will still be with you through those things, but it doesn't mean that he's going to take it away. This is very much still just an encouragement that as we push on and live a life on mission, according to his will, his plan, he will be with us through it all. We have a warrior, a fighter on our side, but this does not mean that we're always win the battle in the way we hope or the way we think we should. And we need to be willing to fight no matter where God leads you. Fight no matter what direction he takes you. Fight no matter what you're going through because God does have a purpose in it and his will will be done. God can use your suffering, your trial, your struggle, whatever you're going through, God can use for good. As long as you're serving him through it all. We must continue to live for him and fight no matter where he leads us and what his plan is. Follow after him. I'm going to reference another book of the Bible as we start closing up or start wrapping this up. You see, as I got this news of my brother's cancer, I found myself led to the book of Job, as many of before me have been. 
And I found myself mourning. I found myself starting to tear up and starting to cry. And yes, man, it's okay to cry every once in a while. In fact, I think it's healthy for us to let it out sometimes. And I did. I started to cry as I thought through all they're going through. And I thought through this husband and wife together now struggling with cancer. And his wife's been doing it for seven years. And now he's got cancer that he needs to fight. And I found myself led to Job. And here we have a man who has it all and then loses it all. An Old Testament hero who persevered under extreme trials. Job was a great man, and not only did he fear God, but he also had great wealth, a big family, and a thriving business. But things would not always be so great for Job. Allow me to read chapter 1 for you. I believe we've got enough time here. <clears throat> there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And just to tell you how great this man was in the eyes of God, that man was blameless and upright from Job 1, specifically from, that God's, from God's word. He was one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one of his day, on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus God did continually. Verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. And now the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. This is the opinion that God has of his servant Job. That's a pretty high opinion. That's a very good compliment from God. There is none like him on all the earth, blameless and upright, who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold all that he has in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now here's where it all changes. Verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. But, pay attention to the statement, while he was yet still speaking... There wasn't a day in between. There wasn't time to process. While he was yet still speaking, there came another and said, 
the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet still speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet still speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job, a blameless, upright man. God's own words here. From the word of God, Job, a blameless and upright man, loses everything. All his livestock, his children, all but four servants. And despite all of this, in the midst of great anguish, as he's, as he's mourning this loss, he bows low to the ground and worships God. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Wow. What faith it must have to go through all of that and not curse God, but to worship God through it all. That's a hero of our faith for us to look to an example of. In chapter 2, which we don't have time to read, Job is smitten with boils all over his skin. And in desperation, his wife urges him to curse God and die. For it would be better to die than to go through all these struggles. But yet Job will not sin in saying, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Wise words. The story goes on for 42 chapters in totality. And we'll have saved that for another day. We don't have enough time to study 42 chapters here. But I think what you would see is eventually Job and his friends are all analyzing these sufferings. And they're looking for causes and solutions. They think they have all the answers. And this is an impossible task as they would never know the heavenly dialogue between God and Satan. They would never know everything because they are not God. All they do is make their problems worse and eventually are rebuked in the end. But then Job confesses and repents and all is restored. In fact, we're told that his blessings are doubled. God gives him twice what he had before. So now Job, in chapter 42, we read, And the Lord blessed the later days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had also seven sons and three daughters. Job was blessed. It's very likely that you will never experience this type of suffering. But I tell you, you will endure suffering of some type. And we need to remember to fight. We need to worship God through the times of suffering. 
We need to stand true and stand strong in the time of suffering. And as we fight, remember that we persevere through God's strength and not our own. We need to take this Old Testament book of Job and put it to good use in our life. So I think there's six truths that you can apply to your life from this book. And I use these from a quote I found from John MacArthur, but they just apply so greatly, I had to share them with you. Six truths from Job's experience. One, there are matters going on in heaven with God that believers know nothing about, yet they affect their lives. Two, even the best effort at explaining the issues of life can be useless. Three, God's people do suffer. Bad things happen all the time to good people. One cannot judge a person's spirituality by his painful circumstances or successes. Four, even though God seems far away, perseverance and faith is the most noble virtue since God is good and one can safely leave his life in his hands. Five, the believer in the midst of suffering should not abandon God, but draw near to him. So out of fellowship can come the comfort without the explanation of why. That's what I like about that statement. It's without the explanation. We can draw near to him and be comforted. We don't need the explanation of why. We don't need the answer. What we need is God. Six, suffering may be intense, but will ultimately end for the righteous. And God will bless you abundantly. And I want to speak on that statement briefly as we close. It may not be a blessing of riches or material possessions. But a blessing of God's liking desires is better than any other type of blessing. It could be a blessing of being closer to God, maturing in your faith, giving you more knowledge of him and his word, his character. I can assure you of one thing. God is a warrior. He will fight for you. He already has fought for you. To give you abundant life. Do you trust in Jesus? If you don't trust in Jesus, I ask you today, I urge you today to trust in him. Follow after Christ. Believe in him and believe that he is a warrior and he will fight for you. He already has fought for you. Give your life to him. Give your struggle to him. Fight with God, the almighty God by your side. Blessings may not be what you expect, but even in suffering, you're blessed and should be joyful, as James 1 tells us. James 1 also tells us that it produces perseverance and helps us to mature deeper in our faith and closer to Jesus. James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, suffering is not fun. And I can't speak to it to the, to the extreme that some of you have suffered or to the extreme that my brother and wife are suffering. But I can say that I know suffering is not fun. It's not easy. But it often can be very productive. Despite the pain we feel, God can use it for good. Will you fight for him? Will you trust Jesus? Where you remember that strength to persevere comes from God. And God can use your suffering for his glory. Allow him to. Let us close in prayer as the worship band comes up. Lord God, we thank you for this reminder today to fight.
and that you are a warrior, Lord, and whether we want to accept the fact that created in your image, we also have the heart of the warrior or not, we do have this truth that you do fight for your people continually. We have examples through all scripture that we must have faith in you, and through this faith in you, we have strength and a refuge. We have perseverance. Lord, we might have joy through it all. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder today. I pray for those in here who needed that reminder themselves as well. And in your holy and powerful name, all of God's people said, Amen.